Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing all right. We're, uh, you know, going over a, you gotta be, a, another, you gotta be doing better. another enjoyable, rewatchable game. You got to be doing better than all right after that game. I mean, okay. we are this here is... to talk to you about the Packers upsetting the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football Jordan Love looked great, probably his best game of the year so far. You got you got to be doing better than all right, right? All right, that's riding high, riding high after that. I'm still riding high. We're recording Tuesday night. This game happened two nights ago. We had a little bit of scheduling thing, had to move it back a day, but I'm still just as pumped as I was the day it happened. I mean, I've rewatched the yeah. game twice now. Oh, great game to rewatch. And, Very and fun plus, one. I played golf today and I lost three balls, but I found three balls. Hey, that's net neutral. Net even. <laughs> it's a big improvement over last week's uh, 12 lost balls in uh, one round. Ooh, I mean, are you keeping track? Is that a record or are we uh, are we going for more? Well, um, 12 is a rough estimate. Okay. Well, a dozen, a baker's dozen, <laughs> who's counting? But anyway, yes, like we said, we are here today to break down the Packers 23, sorry, 27 to 19 win over the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football in prime time a lot of exciting stuff from this game that we were able to take a closer look at looking back on it tons of interesting stats we have to share with you some stuff we got to bounce off each other's brains see what each of us are thinking but before we get into that just wanted to pitch a couple of things if you like what you heard here today come give us a follow on twitter at father son packer we tweet out whenever we have new episodes out we tweet out stats we find interesting in terms of like when we're researching for these episodes tweet out articles we find interesting videos we find interesting pieces of packers news pretty much one-stop shopping for everything title town so come check us out on twitter once again that's at father son packer and then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice whether that's apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify we even put all our episodes out on youtube so subscribe to us there as well if you want to keep an eye on those episodes there but dad let's get into this game but unfortunately let's start with just a little bit of negatives in terms of an injury update and that is that Christian Watson, near the end of this game, after having what was probably his best game of the season so far, did injure his right hamstring uh, as he was slowing down for the catch in the fourth quarter. Um, he grabbed his right hamstring before going to the ground. As a lot of you may know, he has kind of struggled with hamstring injuries during his time in the league, both both earlier this year and last year. So not ideal for him. We don't have any other updates in terms of you know how he's looking. Um, so we're just going to have to keep an eye on that going forward. Keep an eye on Twitter. Uh, keep an eye on all those Packers beat reporters that do their job so well. But just something to, something to keep in mind, not ideal, especially near the end of what was kind of coming down to a game that was pretty much almost over. So not great. Um, beyond that, though, I will say they did some postgame interviews in front of the locker rooms, and he did still participate in postgame interviews and seemed to be in a decent mood. But that's pretty much all the that's all we really got for you on that yeah. one. Um, no, no updates yet. But I, I felt like. Yeah, he looks like he was in a decent mood there on the sidelines. I was a little surprised, actually, to see him still standing there hanging out. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. He went to the Blue Medical Tent. He needed to be helped off the field. We're really not going to know until later. And then in terms of Packers news, uh, roster moves, the Packers did cut James Robinson from the practice squad and sign Kenyon Drake. Um, so that gives them another running back and gives them essentially more practice squad elevations at that running back position, I think is the big reason. And also James Robinson didn't exactly look great in his like two or three carries that he had in yeah. this past game. Um, but and Dad, as I recall, Kenyon Drake is kind of a pass catching specialist back. So he's, they a wanted... bit, uh, he's, he's decently well-rounded, I would say. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's had some, some decent seasons in the league. He's getting a little up there in age, but another experienced guy there. Um, 
they're still struggling with depth at that running back position. I thought Taylor looked pretty okay in this game, but we're going to see what their plan is going forward. AJ Dillon had a very good game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But dad, uh, let's get into this game because it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Um, Meat of the game breakdown. Uh, Let's start with the biggest moment of the game, though. Um, We do this more a little more analytically. We go by what changed the ESPN win probability the most. Uh, And that was the fourth down completion to Romeo Dobbs on fourth and one. Uh, Jordan Love drops back. Chris Jones in his face throws. I think Chris uh, Chris Collinsworth said he must be a hell of a cornhole player because he throws a moon ball (laughs) up and down uh, parabola right into Romeo Dobbs' hands. Uh, in the third quarter on fourth and one, like I said, changed the win probability from a 51.4% uh, odds of the Chiefs winning to a 65.6% chance of Green Bay winning. So pretty big swing in the game there. And that, at that point, it was 14 to 12 Packers. They end up scoring a touchdown there, making it 21 to 12. They don't score there. It, it could have gotten a little dicey for Green Bay is all I'm saying. It could have been a very different, uh, the, the momentum swing would have been huge. It could have been like two straight, touchdowns potentially by the Chiefs without a score by the Packers for a couple of possessions in a row. That would have been a, you know, momentum would have been very heavily in their favor at that point. Yeah. So that was the play of the game there, but dad, let's start getting into offense, defense and special teams. And let's start with the offense and let's start with Jordan Love because story of the game is how he played in this one. Story of the season we talked about the whole time is how does Jordan Love look? Nothing else matters but how he looks, how his development looks, and getting a read on whether or not he's the quarterback going forward. And dad, five straight weeks, I would say he's had his best performance of the season. The game against the Rams was his best performance of the season to date. Then the game against the Steelers was his best performance. Then the game against the Chargers was his best performance, his first 300-yard game. Game against the Lions was his first big win in primetime. And then this game against the Chiefs, I think he just put everything together in this one. You have a lot of interesting stats here. Um, Before I... We go into any of that, though. I just wanted to touch on what they're saying, which is we talk about some quotes from the team. And this is a quote from Jordan Love per Ryan Wood on Twitter. Quote, uh, he was asked about essentially like what it meant to, to play this game against the Chiefs after he had his first start against the Chiefs in 2021 not go well. Quote, it's huge. I've had this game circle for a long time. It was my first start. Obviously didn't play like I wanted to my first game. So to be able to get the victory is huge. Can I just say that I love that that was like on his mind and that he wanted to go out like, his mentality is very impressive. He has a lot of confidence. He is a cool customer, as some would say. He, yeah. He's, he is very even-keeled at all times, it seems. Dad, you have some interesting stats about Love's performance in this one. I think you could watch the game and know it, but the stats are also very impressive. Take it away. Okay, so what I had for Love, so per RS, RBSDM, Love's completion percentage over expected for Week 13 for this game was sixth in the league for the week. Um, for the last three weeks, he's now seventh in completion percentage over expected. Now, and, compare and this. People, I was going to say, this was his biggest weakness for yeah, the first like five, I, six weeks. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to. My very next notes. Okay, I, are you reading, you are you reading me, my notes? You are you reading same, my notes? Same page right now. I think right you're reading my notes. Somebody's copying over. Teacher, somebody's copying my notes. Um, over, the, over the first seven games of the season, he was 25th incompletion percentage over expected. That was like the weakest part of his game. So one of the weaknesses of his game is now beginning to, by this point of the year, becoming a strength where instead of being at the bottom of the league, he's at the top. Um, and I think it just illustrates how in the beginning of the year, it was a lot of like hit some big plays and just be inaccurate, like in a lot of other situations. And 
I think Mina Kimes said it on Twitter. It's like, I think what she said was like earlier in the year was like Jordan Love had some dazzling plays and then a lot of inconsistency. And I think the completion percentage over expectation raising up so much is in is and what she then said was like now that some of this inconsistency is going away it's just dazzling i think is how she worded it but like it just the that raise in completion percentage over expectation is really indicative of his improvement in down-to-down consistency and overall accuracy and it's been really exciting to see sorry to interject but go ahead right because he was like playing really high variance super high plays and then just off target miss throws i don't know miscommunications but now he's just really under control command of the offense dealing just no big deal gonna move over here to the left gonna sling it find the guy open as soon as he's open bam it's there um thinking about like some of the plays to watson over the middle um in per pff his such physically impressive throws to fade away sidearm whip it like 20 yards downfield like it's nothing i mean it was a really good game to watch it it was very impressive sorry i go ahead ahead. and i think yeah i'll i'll finish it and then i think you have more to tack on as well um his big time throw percentage per pff is 10.8 which was third highest on the week behind only russell wilson and geno smith plus he had the most um big time throws under pressure so, so making big time throws while he was pressured with three of them uh, on the week. Yeah, he, um, he been... led. Sorry, go ahead. He led all QBs in PFF passing grade in week thirteen, and was fourth in passing rating under pressure, and was third in average depth of target under pressure. So he was still pushing the ball downfield, even when he's under threat. Of course, making that thirty-three yarder when when he's got Chris Jones in his lap, probably I, I think is helping that a bit. It certainly isn't hurting, but yeah, I I have. I was very, very impressed with Jordan Love. And I, you know, he had been stacking very successful weeks. But to me, this was probably the most challenging defense he had to go against, especially considering how it went the first time where Steve Spagnuolo just blitzed the hell out of him on every single down and they had no answers. And Matt LaFleur talked about how he put a lot of that on himself, on on himself as in the play calling. Um, But at the same time, you wanted to see how this game, I really wanted to see how this game went at least because I was like, you know, this was the type of thing that he struggled with in his first start was, you know, a lot of pressure. Um, Steve Spagnolo was coming into this game. I forget where I saw this stat. I'm sorry. Was 12 and one against quarterbacks within their first 15 starts. He had only lost one game to a quarterback in their first 15 starts. Very impressive. I know win loss isn't really a defensive coordinator stat, but still pretty impressive. Um, but I was just very impressed with a lot of things from Jordan Love in this game. Another great game handling pressure, like you said. 16 total pressures took just two sacks, and one of those, like, he went down on. Those stats are per PFF, by the way. And one of those he went down on intentionally to wind clock at the end of the game, in my opinion. He probably could have gotten out of it, but they didn't want to take an incomplete pass there. So it's really more like one sack. Um, Amongst quarterbacks with at least 20% of dropbacks, uh, so hitting that threshold to not just, you know, be out there for a couple plays. He's now 13th best uh, pressure to sack rate per PFF, so that's like the number of pressures that you allow be converted to sacks. So that's like more of a quarterback metric. Um, so he's been just very good at moving around the pocket. And I think he's really improved on that recently. Um, and just to add on to what you were saying, I was like really impressed with, you know, the throws were very impressive, but his command of the offense, like you said, was incredibly impressive. I went through and tracked it. Obviously, like you watch that game, tons of cadence work, tons of hard count. They didn't get anyone to jump. 
but lots of hard count to like probably, I think they probably installed that a lot this week or emphasized that a lot this week, we'll say, because of how aggressive that defense is to slow them down. So I think that hard count definitely had an impact there. And then so many, he made a lot of checks at the line in this game that I think really like illustrated his, you know, his, I think LaFleur's trusted him yeah, LaFleur's, to, to open up the whole playbook and no longer um, leaving stuff off the table, which I felt like there was a lot of in the beginning of the year where I mean, they, we, it, it was like, what was it? Uh, we talked about in the Broncos game, he had like an average depth of target of two yards in the first half of that game. They just did not let him play football pretty much. It was really well, weird. Then they had a time where they said, oh, it would have been good to be able to check out of that, but we didn't have anything ready. Exactly. And I think it shows, you know, Matt LaFleur's confidence in him and Jordan, Matt LaFleur's confidence in him and Jordan loves confidence in the offense and the system and the players because, so I went through and charted it. They had 63 offensive plays and I charted 13 checks at the line, either switching the pressure or canning the play, um, which is 20% of snaps. That's a, that's a good percentage. That's real. That was honestly as impressive as all the throws to me. He looked so comfortable out there against a defense that makes a lot of quarterbacks very uncomfortable. And I think the way that this offense performed in this game, you know, the the scoring number doesn't look great. There were like seven drives in this game. So just extrapolate that to a more fast paced game. Like if there were more drives in this game, they probably could have scored 40. It was, it was an incredibly impressive day from looked at their like points per drive this game compared to earlier in the season. Cause it's, it's off the chart. You know, they only had, six possessions in the first half, which was like, I think the only game this year with six or fewer. And one of them was a one play. It was was a one play kneel down. Oh, that's right. The chiefs did get the ball to kneel down right there at the end. That's right. So it's technically six and yeah, exactly. But the point being, I just think the story of this game is how well Jordan love played in this game and how well he commanded the offense. He was sensational in this game. I, and it's very exciting going forward. The Packers, we haven't mentioned yet, are now 6 and 6 in the 7th seed for the playoffs right now as it stands today if it was to end today. They have I think I saw I can't remember. The I don't want to take the wrong number. Second easiest schedule behind I think the Saints is what I heard. Okay, I was um, I couldn't remember their percent chance of making the playoffs at this point so I didn't want to say it, it without might be 65. It it's in the I, 60s. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure exactly what it is, so I'm not going to quote it. But yeah, a good path going forward where making the playoffs is, is a realistic possibility now, and they got to take care of business going forward. Um, any given Sunday, any given Monday, any team can beat any other team, but it's an exciting team. And it's crazy because I remember talking about this team six weeks ago, talking about how they were, I remember saying, I was like, this team might be the worst team in football right now. And I was saying like, this team is borderline. Like is, I, I think I said, I'm not looking forward to watching this team. And They've taken a complete 180. This team is incredibly exciting. They have a ton of young talent. They're pulling the right levers right now. They're competing at a high level against high-level teams. Beating the Lions and Chiefs in back-to-back weeks is incredibly impressive. I just can't say enough. And, Dad, I got some more positives on offense. I wanted to give a shout-out to Matt LaFleur in this one. I thought his game plan for this game was excellent. I wonder if he maybe took it a little personally about how (laughs) Steve Spagnuolo kind of like got the... Got the upper Took hand the on them in the last one. Well, in this one, he ate Spag's lunch. He completely ate his lunch in this game. I love the game plan. A ton of play action. Per Paul Brettel of Packers Wire, 41% of Love's attempts against the Chiefs came off play action, which was a season high. On those throws, Love went 12 of 15 for 136 yards and a touchdown. I mean, 
so clinical on play action in this game. And it was very clear that, you know, the Chiefs went down a linebacker early in this game, unfortunately, and they definitely put those linebackers in conflict. I think maybe that was already the game plan, but they they might have even doubled down on it after that. Uh, and then a ton of motion as well. Um, in the first drive of the game, I charted this, so if the numbers are wrong, blame me. Um, but in the first drive of the game, there were 13 plays, and 11 of those had some kind of motion on them. And then overall, there were 63 offensive plays, and by my charting, 39 had some type of motion, so 62%. I could not find the current stats. I looked really hard for who is leading the league in pre-snap motion, um, but I did find an article that was written after week 10 that was saying that the league average was around 52.2%. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, that 62% would put them like kind of right outside the top five in terms of motion rate at that time in the year. So very modern offense, very much helping the quarterback be successful, I think is my big takeaway from Matt LaFleur. And the proof is in the pudding, as they would say, because the Packers had a positive EPA per play on every type of play per RBSDM, whether it's early rush, early pass, late rush, late pass, all had a positive EPA per play, which I, I just... Jordan Love, I think, is the story of this game, but you got to give your flower, give Matt Lafleur his flowers because he was great in this game too, Dad. I thought. Yeah, and uh, you know, designing people open, using all parts of the field, um, using different receivers in different locations, with bunch formations, coming around jet sweeps. Yeah, um, uh, clearly had a lot of different types of plays in this game. Clearly, an emphasis on attacking the edges with like wide receiver handoffs. They gave the ball to Reed multiple times. They gave the ball to Watson. Um, it was, it was a very, very well coached game from Matt LaFleur. And you were talking about those young weapons though, and, and spreading the ball out, dad, do you want to talk about them? Because they were incredibly impressive in this game as well. Yeah. So the, the depth receivers, uh, you know, they keep producing when given the opportunity Wicks over the whole league was eighth in PFF receiving grade in week 13 among all qualifiers, which is, I think, um, I forget how single, probably single digit, um, targets over the last three weeks. So. Wicks is now fifth in the league in yards per route run. And Malik Heath is third. Malik Heath. Malik Heath is playing great. And I feel bad because he'd probably get a ton of snaps on another team. But yeah, they, they, and just show some develop... context. Go ahead. About how like useful this stat is for like measuring um, receiver quality. There, there are a couple of outliers. It's like, but you've got the other, other receivers in the top 15. Tyreek Hill. Odell Beckers, this is over the last three weeks because OBJ had a big game in there. Chris Olave, Nico Collins, Debo Samuel, DJ Moore. You got Khalif Raymond. I think he had a big game for the, the Lions of the week. Curtis Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Rashid Rice, Mike Evans, Jalen Waddell, Puka Nakua. So we've got two guys on the, on the, on the Packers who are depth pieces who are in that company. Yeah, and the thing is, yes, it's a small sample size, but the point is they're being incredibly efficient when they're getting used. Right. And you and obviously like the efficiency isn't gonna scale perfectly to like I'm when sure you it's get scalable. More, more work, but <laughs> I'm sure if just, you give them twenty targets a game, they're gonna be just as efficient. But it just indicates that like <laughs> the Packers have some real talent at these receiver position at these pass catching positions right now, and another stat that kind of indicates that is that every pass catcher, except for Jaden Reed in this game, who like I'm not saying that to say anything bad about Jaden Reed. He he has had a lot of really good games for the Packers, and I think he's a really promising rookie. But every other pass catcher had a success rate over 50% on their targets and a positive EPA per target. Every single player 
every pass catcher is that's six out of seven. That's really, really impressive. That's not normal. Yeah. And they even got a, a career first touchdown to uh, Ben Sims. He was ben, so ben excited. Sims. He was and so that, excited. That, if you watch that play, Tucker Craft is also wide open. That's what I'm saying. Um, Matt LaFleur uh, is uh, in his uh, yes, bag as in this game. They, they're going the two two tight end sets. Um, Sims on the right, who leaks out kind of a little similarly to how um, Kraft did last week for his first touchdown. And Kraft is lined up on the left side, and he comes around the back side, and he's coming across the back of the end zone wide open behind where Sims is wide open. Yeah, and Sims' first career touchdown, and you could say, oh, he's like he's wide open. He did a very good job executing what he's supposed to do. He sold the fact that he was blocking the perfect amount of time, and he got himself wide open. And it was obviously a great design by LaFleur. And Ted, we talked a little bit about that heavy play action usage. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the young pass catchers? Because I wanted to talk a little bit about the run game and A.J. Dillon particularly. Yeah, why don't you go on to the uh, to the run game? Yeah, because the run game in this one, I know the raw numbers don't look great for A.J. Dillon. 18 carries for 73 yards. But once again, those do not tell the whole story of how well he played in this game. He was extremely successful down to down. Going through and charting it, 12 of his 18 carries could be deemed as successful. And what successful is, is 40% of the yards to gain on first down, 60% on second down, and 100% on third or fourth down. So 12 of his 18 carries, 66.6% success rate. For reference, no team in the league has a success rate higher than 47 47.5% on rushes. Um, overall, this... Uh, week the Packers had the third best EPA per rush in the league and the seventh best rushing success rate per RBSDM and he just looks just better in December I can't really explain it but he's just looks better <laughs> he looks he looks better he now looks than he faster did he's year. running over tackles he's not tripping as much he is yeah just making plays and yeah. The the thing is you know this talk about how they're in what uh, seventh and success rate and third EPA per rush compared to how awful they were in the beginning of the year in running the ball. It's interesting because those numbers were never actually that bad. They were like those particular ones, those EPA per rush and, and success rate were both around like 19th, but like watching the game, you could really tell that there was a lot to be left desired by the run game. And, but the fact that it oftentimes left them where they, couldn't even run the ball much. They would be carry, taking like 10 carries a game, like 13 carries a game combined. But I thought that the run game really set them up for success in this game. And Dylan having a lot of success, just at, like we talked about earlier, early rush and late rush were very successful. Patrick Taylor was also quite good in this game as well. I could say um, Patrick Taylor came in and had two really nice uh And then never um, came touches. back in. So I don't really entirely know what happened there. But it's, it is... They they play. I would just wanted to shout out AJ Dillon because I know he's at times much maligned, but he's had a very nice stretch of games now running the football behind what still isn't like the best run blocking offensive line, but they they're getting better. I think is what you can say about that. Dad, anything else positive for the offense? There are a few negatives I want to touch on after this, but anything else positive for the offense? I think I've gone over the notes that I had for the positives, and so I'm ready to talk about my negatives. One of the negatives is. Like it's it's a negative because it was going positively, and that's Watson's injury. He was having um, such a good game. He was playing yeah. so well. It sucks. He, he was having a great game, and during this three-game win streak, weeks eleven to thirteen, Watson has the ninth highest wide receiver receiving grade in the league among qualifying receivers per PFF. Receivers had at least twenty percent of the um, 
most targets. And he was all the way up to third this week in receiving grade. So he's been going through a great stretch that coincides with the Packers' winning streak. And then to come down with that injury, that 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 kind of hurts. Yeah, he had literally and figuratively. Yeah, he had in in this game, he was kind of a go-to guy for love, especially early. That first the first couple of drives were as a lot of peppering Watson with targets and to his credit, oh, yeah. he and was, he, led the, he, was he led the team in targets and the offense was humming. So they did they used him in multiple ways over the middle for th- um first down conversions, jet sweep, um outside Crossing um, in the end zone for the touchdown. Yeah, um, high pointing the ball for the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine targets, seven catches, seventy-one yards, two touchdowns, and then he added in two carries for fifteen yards. So, an excellent, an excellent game from Watson. And you just hope that he's okay going forward and that this hamstring doesn't yeah. linger for him because that would just suck. Dad, any other negatives on the offensive side of the football though? So, one thing that bothered me a little bit the mistakes at the end of the last their last drive of the first half basically uh, costing I have that them written, three points i have that after getting too. comfortably into field goal range of the 32 yard line they went false start incomplete incomplete two yard loss on a pass in the middle to that robinson shovel pass was so dumb i was it, i was, was like, surrounded by doing? three defenders immediately when he first caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage and the point and so, is, the point to me was you were clearly just trying to get a few yards to get into field goal range why not just run the ball like yeah. i think you could have gotten 3 4 yards with the way you were running the ball at least and made it at least a manageable field goal but losing those 2 yards there that was like the the death nail in knocking you out of field goal range cuz you could maybe have kicked it at that point at, at 54, been, but you didn't want to go for it at, I guess it got to 56. 57. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, and yeah, they, that was And, that and was it bad. felt like it was one of those drives that we were seeing more of earlier in the year where they're shooting themselves to the foot, aim, aim at foot, fire. You know, yeah. basically is how they had – that they would have a drive that looked promising, that points were nearly on the board, and then they would make a couple of mistakes in a row. And so and – yeah. and I wasn't, as you were, not a fan of that first down, that third down play call. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. And the thing is, we're picking nits. It was a very good game oh, for yeah. the offense. And I want to just, I want to preface that. But yeah, that was not great. For me, the uh, other negative that I had was very much, you know, tied into what you were saying. But it was penalties in key situations that could have cost them the game at times. They're, they they performed and executed their way out of it. But though there were some high leverage situations. Like you said, the false start on that last drive of the first half that knocked them out of field goal range. Um, a delay of game on first and 10 at the Green Bay 47 in a two-point game, uh, and they had just driven 22 yards, and that ended up leading to a punt. Um, every single drive in this game, though, by the way, uh, for the Packers, I read this on Twitter again. I wish I could remember who tweeted it. They got two first downs at least on every single drive. No, That's kind of impressive. You, uh, I, um, I didn't see that tweet. But yeah, so that one wasn't great, though. That killed that drive in a two-point game where you know, you're know you kind of tenuously holding on to the lead. You don't want to give Patrick Mahomes extra chances in a one-score game. Uh, and then a big hold, um, making it second and 16, also in a two-point game, still when it was 21-19. to 19. Um, Thankfully, they dug their way out of that one with a big completion to Romeo Dobbs down the left sideline. But, you know, just some penalties in a tight game in kind of key spots when you had been moving the ball or when you really needed to score that could have proven costly were my negatives. And then the other one is uh, the Yash Nyman narrative takes another hit for me. Um, if you haven't been listening to the podcast earlier in the season, I was like, why are we not just starting Yash Nyman instead of Rashid Walker? Walker is struggling. 
Nyman is maybe not as good of a pass protector, but he's a better run blocker. Uh, Nyman has really been struggling in pass protection recently. He gave up two pressures and just five pass blocking snaps per PFF. And that's just not going to cut it. They continue to do this rotation of Walker and Nyman at left tackle and Runyon and Sean Ryan at right guard. I don't really know why they're doing it, uh, but you know, they're going to keep doing it, I guess. Yeah. The, uh, the Sean Ryan um, narrative also didn't do so well. Yeah, that's though. A though Runyon was kind of was was uh, struggling as well. But yeah, Here's I watched. It. Oh, look, Ryan's the first time I noticed Ryan's the game is the one where Chris Jones just runs right by him, and that's Love has to thing, run for though, his life. It's Chris Jones, like, yeah. like he was smoking a lot of people this entire game. He's been doing it his entire career. One it thing just, that these some of these grades are they're not um, opponent corrected. Yeah, it's like, do I expect? a second-year right guard, third-round pick on an island in his first snap of the game, cold off the bench to handle Chris Jones? No, I don't at all. So I can't ding him too much for that. But yeah, he had he had been stacking some good weeks, and then this week was you know a little bit of a, a little down. But you know, hopefully he bounces back next week against the Giants. Um, Dad, anything else on the offensive side of the football that you wanted to talk about before we move over to the defense? Let's see. I think I had... Uh, well, and I kind of mentioned already about things that made us think is that um, nobody's putting up a, a big volume, but I really am liking the tight end room. Kraft is yes. looking good now that he's getting the opportunity, and even Sims, when he gets a chance, is making plays. Kraft is like turning up, catching the ball, and turning up field and running after the catch with it through people. It's been yeah. nice to see. And the other thing, it's more say... of like what we were expecting when he was drafted. Yes, and, and uh, maybe he's going to he break looks... that third round curse. He looks very dynamic, and he just stepped in blocking well, running his routes well, catching the ball. I mean, like it's nothing. And you, like you said, his, Sims looks pretty Sims looks very good for a third tight end. And honestly, like I wasn't going to mention this because I know some people didn't feel like he played great, but I feel like I saw more from Henry Pearson in this game than I saw from AJ Dillon all year this year. I don't know, that's just my opinion. I feel like Pearson AJ Dillon, you mean du- sorry. Do you mean Deguara? Sorry, Josiah Deguara, yes. I I saw way more from Henry Pearson in this game than I saw from Josiah Deguara. Henry Pearson is the fullback that they called up from the practice squad for this game. I feel like he looks better They used than, him a fair amount. I don't know how many Guara. snaps he had, but uh, I, saw, I noticed him on the field quite a bit. Yeah, and I know uh, what's Andy Herman didn't feel like he played very well, but I, I just think in terms of you know comparing to how he looked compared to DeGuar in that role, I thought he looked a lot more nimble, a lot more mobile, and they were they were using him out there quite a bit, more than they had been using DeGuar. So that kind of shows you what they thought about that. Or maybe they just liked to fullback more in this matchup. Who knows? Um, but Dad, should we move on to the defense? Because I think there's some interesting things to talk about in this one. Packers gave up 19 points to uh, Patrick Mahomes' offense. Not bad when you look at it that way. Uh, but there were definitely still some you know positives and negatives. Do you want to start with uh, the pluses? Actually, let's start with what they're saying. Um, so this is a quote from Keyshawn Nixon, per Matt Schneiman of The Athletic, uh, talking about the interception that he had in the second half, probably the biggest play for the defense of the game. Um, you know, it was getting a little tight there for a second, but this gave the Packers the ball back with about five minutes left, and they were able to run a lot of time off the clock and then score three points to make it an eight-point game. Uh, quote, Keyshawn Nixon, we were watching mannerism tape earlier in the week, and Mahomes tapped his knee, and they put two off the ball, and I'm like, oh, I've seen this before. I knew he was going to run it, and he ran it. You love he, to see prepared players. You just love to see it. It's great. And, and he and he ran the route. 
Yes. He's running the route for the receiver on that play and tracks the ball nicely over the shoulder. The guy could be, he could be a receiver too. He practically ran in a straight line to where the ball was going. Like when you look at it, he's practically going A to B right to where the ball is going. And this is something we talked about earlier in the year where players oftentimes seem like they weren't prepared. This is once again, a 180 from that. This is, that's amazing. You love to see when a player is prepared like that. And uh, so I just thought that was an interesting thing to include. But dad, Positives and negatives in this game, which do you want to start with? Well, which I guess maybe the question is, which do you want to end with? Do you want to end with something po- positive or end with something negative? Uh, we let's, get the, let's end with something get, positive and let's get the negative, get the negative out, of the out of the way. For me in this one, for the defense, the biggest negative was the run defense. It was really bad in this one. Honestly, every time, I can't believe I'm saying this. Every time they decided to throw the ball with Mahomes, was better to me emotionally than handing the ball off to Pacheco at that point. And I can't believe I'm saying that because it's objectively wrong, but I'm just telling you how I felt in the moment. Uh, the run defense was really bad. Like we said, Isaiah Pacheco ran for 110 yards and a touchdown on just 18 carries, 6.1 yards per carry. That's per PFF. It's a career day for him. Um, allowed him to have his second highest total rushing yards of the season, highest yards per carry of the season, second highest yards after contact per attempt for the season, highest PFF grade of the season. Um, The Packers run defense had the second highest EPA per rush allowed 0.247 per RBSDM. So really not great there. Meaning meaning second highest, not good for the Packers. Yes. Second second highest. Second worst defense, second highest EPA added by opponent rushes. And then they allowed the third highest rushing success rate, 54.5% of the Chiefs uh, carries were successful. And they they just let him. We got ran all over by Pacheco, and we couldn't tackle worth a damn. I mean, the missed tackle numbers aren't great, and I know you're going to talk about that. And actually, let's just segue to that. But they could not get this guy on the ground to save their life. This yeah. guy run, well, he runs so angry. Who who made him so mad? It wasn't even really missed tackles. So it's it's just the yards after contact given no, that's up. What I'm saying they could the not Chiefs. get him on the ground. They couldn't so get him seven, on the ground. Seventy three of Pacheco's 110 yards came after contact. And he had an average of 4.06 yards per yards after contact per carry, which was the second highest of the for him of the year and third highest in the league in week 13 amongst all teams. Um, with you know, any any backs with at least five carries. For comparison, so for comparison, his yards per um, after contact per attempt last week was only 1.27, and two weeks ago was only 1.89. This week against the Packers, 4.06. And it's not wasn't a bunch of like missed tackles. They're just getting dragged and can't get him down. Green Bay only not, credited with six missed guy. tackles on the game. It's not one guy getting dragged. It's like four guys on top of him, and he's piling up six, seven, eight yards. Yeah. I mean, the one that I think of is where they had it. I think inside the ten, and he has the ball at the the five or the six, and three guys are on him. And suddenly yeah, but that it's that a turns into scrum, a it's a rugby scrum, and he's like eight more yards down or. I, I'm, he's down to the one, and like they should have had him like three different times. I'm surprised he didn't make it into the end zone by the end of that. But I was yeah. actually shocked he didn't make it to the end zone. Once the whole scrum starts moving with and felt like they're building up momentum, it's like how did they ever stop him from going to the end zone? Yeah, no, it was it was yeah. He, I mean, he credit to him. He had a very good game until he you know punched Keyshawn Nixon and got himself kicked out of the game. Thanks for doing that, by the way, because we had not been stopping you. Um, but no, it's yeah, he was giving them fits on the ground all game. Um, And another negative, you know, for me was the third down defense. They allowed the chiefs to go seven of 11 on third downs. 
Um, in coming into the game, Kansas City was, you know, fourth in the league in third down conversion rate per team rankings. So they're a good third down team. But 7-11 is 64% and they're at 45%. So you're letting them really get what they want on third down. And dad, you had some more details on that. I thought I saw. Yes. So I had one third down conversion in particular, I wanted to highlight and allowing a conversion on third and 18 on the chiefs first drive of the third quarter. It's tough because like, because it's Mahomes. Well, so he kind of just. I'll tell you that. why. I'll tell you why I'm angry at it. Because they rushed three and dropped eight like fools. Yes. Yes. I hated the play call. Everybody should hate that play call. That should never be the play call. It gave you... Mahomes plenty of time to eventually beat the coverage. With only three rushers, there can be no containment. So he leaks out um, to to escape what little pressure there is. But basically, he he is able to dictate what the defense is going to do. Most of the big plays by defense on the game were, I felt, from pressure. And to basically give up on creating any pressure and just leave it up to how long the coverage can hold up just seems to me another obvious mistake. Um, by giving him a chance to scramble, he's able to lure Quay Walker and Anthony Johnson Jr. to both step up to stop the scramble, which then opens up the space for him to throw to Kelsey wide open. For and, the first down of that and play. And the thing is, like, when you're only rushing three and you're dropping eight, it's you need the coverage to hold up for a long time is the problem. Yeah. And and the, the the coverage is not the strength of this defense right now with all the injuries that they have on the back end. And the, the counter argument is like, well, you got to then give them an extra guy to help them out. But that's just not how it works in real life. You need to shorten the time to throw so those guys back in coverage who are not as talented as the guys up front don't have to guard as long. Like, I, I didn't. That was like, and the thing is, I think Joe Barry's done a pretty good job this year, honestly. Like, considering what he's had to work with on the back end and the injuries that he's dealt with. But I, that's a bad play call. That's you. I, I don't feel see like you it. get, I don't see We've it. had like one of the too many games we've had a, a play call like this. That's the part that I think drives me crazy, drives a lot of fans crazy. It's like, why would you make that call? Yeah, um, and, but no, no one's going to be a hundred percent on like that's I. If it's just one of those a game, I mean, it's it is what it is, you know. I don't yeah. think he's a great defensive coordinator, but I do think he's still doing a decent job this year. Yeah, and and th- this was a chance for them to really kind of take control yeah. of the game. They yeah. uh, when because they had a chance to get the ball back up eight points early in the third and and, and shut down the. Um, Chiefs for another possession, and they they basically let him Houdini his way into a first down and eventually get it down for a touchdown. Yeah, which is kind of what he does. But they did. Yep. I think they did put him in an advantageous position. Um, Dad, any other negatives though? Because I do have a few positives for the defense. I think they did some things pretty well in this one. That's my main thing. Okay, for me the positives. Let's start. You know, let's let's. Where we were got a little worked up about the defense, but let's remember this is a very good game for the Packers. There were definitely some positives on defense too. The red zone defense saved the day in this one, though. I think that's the biggest story. Three red zone sacks is the most Mahomes has ever taken in a game. Per the, the broadcast said that um, they held the Chiefs to two field goals on their two first half drives in the red zone, and that was really the difference in the game. Um, ended up holding them to two of four in the red zone. Packers are now eighth in the league in red zone touchdown percentage allowed per RBSDM. And that's the, that's the difference in the game. 
it could have it, the Packers scored touchdowns on their first two drives and the Chiefs scored field goals and it was 14 to 6 at half. And that was that was the difference. And you can say, you know, don't let them get down to the red zone in the first place. I mean, fair enough, but it's not always that simple. And you know, they held up when they had to. I personally have never liked Ben Ben but don't break defense, but they executed I guess today and you know, they they came <laughs> ben- through when they needed to. Ben, ben, but don't break is kind of like playing prevent the entire game long and everybody hates prevent defense. It's crazy how like, I don't know. They seem to do this a lot of games. It's like march down to the 20. It's like, okay, now we're going to, now we're going to get some, now it's time to start playing. Now it's time to start playing D. I don't really know why it is, but Hey, you know, it was, that was the big thing in this game. In my opinion, dad, did you have anything on that or anything on any other positives on the defense? I had a few. So, you know, tied into some of what you're saying in the red zone is, you know, the sacks, like the, the pass rush made big plays. Now they didn't get a lot of pressures on Mahomes. They pressured him on 28% of his dropbacks. And so it's a little bit actually below average what Mahomes has faced, but they were able to convert three of those pressures into sacks and their pressure to sack conversion percentage was 27% for the game. On the season, the pressure to sack conversion percentage on Mahomes is only nine point eight percent. Yeah, he has the third best in the league. I think at that, I read, I remember seeing when I was looking at these charts yeah. earlier. So they, that's one of his like most elite traits. Is doesn't matter if he's getting pressured, he is slippery and he will get out of there and he will get the ball away yeah. and he will make a big play. So the Packers did a really good job, about, better than most teams, at getting him to the ground when they had the chance. Finishing the play, they they yeah. were able to finish plays, and that was the difference in this one. And you said there weren't a lot of pressures in this game. I did want to just shout out one player. Kenny Clark has been, I think, not talked about enough for how well he's playing right now. Uh, per PFF on Twitter, he has 20 pressures since week 11, which is the fourth most amongst all defenders in that time frame. Not just defensive interior, edge players too. Four straight games, he has led the Packers in pressures per Paul Brettel. He had another six in this game. I mean, Mr. Mr. November, Mr. December, we talked about in the past about how Kenny Clark tends to, you know, turn it up a little bit, a few extra notches as the season goes on. And he has been, I think, the driving force for the pressure and the defensive line, the, the performance of the defensive line over the past few weeks. And I think maybe he's not getting quite as much attention as he deserves. You know, one thing that's been true for a number of years now when when Kenny Clark is going through a good stretch, the entire defense is performing well. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And we can he see makes it, it in easier stretch. on the edge rushers. He makes it you know easier on the defensive backs because the the uh, the time available to throw is 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 way down. Yeah, I mean he's he's playing incredibly well right now, and I feel like I haven't seen enough people talking about it. Dad, did you have any other positives on defense or anything that made you think? Anything else you wanted to talk I had about? A, I have a couple little things to talk about. So the tackling by the cornerbacks, they you know they had ten tackles with no misses in this game, and okay. Valentine had led it away with six, and uh, Keyshawn had three. But yeah, so t- so ten tackles and no missed tackles by your corners is quite good. Um, I really liked the the pursuit and rallying to the ball to shut down that two point conversion. And yes. hold on to the and, lead. And that they was had been really well played. So bad at defending two point conversions. We talked I about. Would, did we talk yeah. about it? You and I were talking about it about yes. how they 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 were not good in general on the two point conversion. So they really did a good job of this. And it wasn't even it wasn't even close. They just shut it down for um yeah. from the beginning of the play. 
No, it was yeah. And, and then they had go ahead. Oh, I was saying and then besides that, at the end of the game, they had two great defensive stops in a row with a um after the lead had been cut back down to two. Um on the the when the Chiefs got to 19 points and they got a three and out and a pick. I mean, you could argue um, they had three decent stops in a row because they stopped that last drive. I mean, I I can remember plenty of yeah. I can remember plenty of times that Patrick Mahomes has come down the field and tied the game and sent it to overtime. Like this is true. The, this they, is kind of what he does. The Chiefs, the Chiefs had zero points for their last three possessions. Yeah, that's that's huge. No, massive, especially in a game where possessions were at a premium. There were not very many possessions in this game. Some odds and ends I wanted to touch on. I thought Savage played really well in this first game back. Um, forced an incompletion on Travis Kelsey. Didn't blow any coverages. Looked pretty good. They went with. Um, Savage and Owens as the starting safeties. Ford played a little bit. Um, I think Justice Mosqueda was of Acme Packing Company. Uh, hypothesized that he was on a bit of a snap count because they only brought him in in dime. And then they brought uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. in later. So I, that was kind of what he was hypothesizing, that maybe they'll go back to Ford next week, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that was something I just wanted to mention really quick. I thought Savage played pretty well in this game. Dad, anything else on defense? Yeah, so that was I had a little bit of things to think the things that made me think was about Savage actually. And you know, whether Savage is kind of turning a corner in, in his performance. Uh he had his best defensive grade for a, a game all year with eighty five. And his best single game grade since his rookie year. Wow. And That's, it's his yeah. and his second best tackling grade game um for the season. Although, you know, even though it's only average, it's still this season is the best tackling grade um, season long of his career. Yeah. And I think Matt LaFleur and other coaches have talked about how impressed they've been with, you know, how he's approached this season in terms of, you know, like work and attitude. Um, it It is, you know, the Chiefs receiver core pass catchers are not the most talented group. So we'll see going forward. But yeah, a good game from him. And I think exciting, you know, I think him and Owens, Owens has been stacking some pretty good games as well. So something to keep He's an eye been on. Showing going some nice physicality, um, tackling well, on defense, and, tackling yeah, it's, um, it's to complement Savage's speed. Yeah, and so let's move on though to special teams as we kind of wrap things up here. Dad, what did you have in terms of notes on special teams? Because you know, I didn't really have a whole lot here. Uh, the, the big thing is Anders Carlson hit two pretty big kicks. Right, the, the the two high pressure field goals where the team kept backing up for him to make it longer after getting into field goal range. They did it three different times. Yeah, and one of is, them they backed up so much they decided not to kick it at all. The thing is, like, yeah, I said earlier, is like Love took that sack on purpose to, you know, wind the clock. Maybe could have taken not quite as many did you, yards. Did it back. have to be I mean, ten you yards? To, you have to go back to a forty-eight yarder. I mean, come on now. But yeah, no, a forty. And those are high pressure where it's. You know, one of them it makes it so it's not a field goal um, yeah. to win it to take the to, to lose the lead, and the other one was so that you know they they couldn't lose it in regulation if yeah. the Chiefs got a touchdown and, and two point conversion. Yeah, two two so, big time kicks from him there, and you know that's didn't miss any of his extra points. You know, perfect perfect game from him, great game from him. I do want, however, to call out in a negative way the special teams unit for getting an offside penalty on so, the last yes, um, kickoff. But it was Pearson who was called up from the practice squad 
So I'm like, I give a little accident forgiveness to a guy, you know, taking some of his first snaps in an NFL game, or maybe not, but like some of his first snaps of the season. I won't necessarily even put that on the coaching staff because it's like, okay, this guy is like taking like a handful of snaps. If I, if I'm trying to guess whose fault it is, like it's probably on him, but no, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I'm giving a little accident forgiveness for who it is. A little accident forgiveness for uh, um, inexperience. And that's the thing is like we were talking about earlier of the Packers offense shooting themselves in the foot. It's expected for them to do it like every now and then with how young they are. It was just earlier in the season. It was every single play and it made everything impossible. Um, but yeah. And then I thought the note I had on special teams was the punting was pretty good in this game. Two punts only both inside the 20 one pinned them at the one yard line. So, you know, that's, that's as much as you'd want. From yeah. A there wasn't though. a whole lot of punting going on in this game. So there no. wasn't much punt r- return or punt coverage. Yeah. And, it was a, and, uh, it was, yeah, I, I thought a fine day from the special teams, I guess is, is how I felt about it. Keyshawn had one good return out to like the 30, you know, pretty decent day. Mm-hmm. Um, but dad, let's wrap things up with the player of the game. Who else is it going to be? I mean, it, it has to be Jordan Love, yeah, right? It's got to be Jordan Love. He was just so good in this game. We talked about it earlier. I mean, just a very exciting and encouraging game from him. He continues to stack successful weeks against a, a very competitive defense, a very difficult defense. And I think if I had to choose another, it would be AJ Dillon for me. Um, but yeah, no, very impressive day from Jordan Love. I think very clearly the player of the game. Dad, anything else you wanted to talk about Packers wise before we get out of here? Well, that was what I just wanted to like chime in on the the Love thing. He's just looking so smooth and in control um, the last few. And over the last three weeks, I think he's looking like a top ten QB in the league. I mean, when you um, look let's at see the- if he sustains it, but. By, yeah. the, by the numbers over the last three weeks, over the last like four or five since week nine, by a lot of metrics, he is yeah. I think I think the last last five, I, I did back up to go like during this four out of five game win streak, not just the three game win streak. That yeah, he's still like top ten by a lot of metrics. Yeah, a very exciting time for the Packers for certain. Thank you so much for listening. Breaking down this exciting game against the Chiefs, a victory on Monday Night Football. Packers are 6-6 six and six in the seventh seed in the NFC right now. A game against the Giants on Monday coming up. We will be giving you a preview pod for that coming up to the end of this week. Keep an eye on our Twitter for announcements for when that's coming out. Once again, that's at Father Son Packer. Give us a follow there if you like what you heard here today. We tweet out when we have new episodes, like we said. We tweet out stats we found during this pod that we found interesting, articles we find interesting, pieces of video analysis that people do. Uh, Packers news, pretty much everything title town related. You can find there once again, it's at father, son, Packer, and then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. If you want to subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers. But anyway, thank you again so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. And until next time, go pack, go, go pack, go.